Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 439. We're recording this on Friday. The 18th of October. Yes, folks, Christmas is coming. <laughs> we record this normally at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time. You can watch it live on Facebook on the WP Tonic Facebook page. We've got a small but powerful paddle. Others have, um, the others have truanted from the school. I don't know what they're doing. But um, Sally, w- would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Certainly. My name is Sally Getch. I am the WP fangirl and the organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California, and uh, <clears throat> the uh, uh, devoted subject of two cats. Yeah. And we got Joe. Joe, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners of yours? Yeah, my name's Joe Casabona. I create online courses for uh, how to build websites. I'm a diehard Yankee fan, which it's been a tough week for that. Uh, and I'm happy to be back after a couple of weeks being away. Yes, he's, he's been traveling. He's been to Carpo and other places and sampling cigars with Chris Lemmer. Sounds a, a tough life, doesn't it? it this this it, years, doesn't yeah. it? Doesn't it? Uh, Rob, before we, go, before we go into the main um, topics we're going to discuss this week, I want to mention one of our great sponsors, and that's Breezley, breezley.co. Breezley is one of the most interactive page builders on the market at the present moment, in my opinion. Um, they've just done some major updates um, that make them even more interesting, um, especially if you're a hardcore developer or implementer and you're looking um, for something that's got a fantastic UX design and easy for your clients to use. I suggest that you should go over to breezy.com and have a look what they've got to offer. If you do do that, and please do, um, please also mention that you heard about them from the WP Tonic show. So let's go into the first story. Mark Davies joins Automatic as Chief Financial Officer. But no, 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 it could be exciting. Joe, Joe, got any comments about this? And please do, because we'll have a problem if you haven't. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I mean, I'm guessing that this was probably contingent on uh, automatic taking Salesforce money, right? They probably said, we're handing you a giant pile of money. Now you need to figure out how to manage it appropriately. Um and this is, I mean, this is th- things that are contingent upon a lot of VC stuff, right? Um, Google was was forced to hire Eric Schmidt after they got a bunch of VC funding and stuff like that. Um, and I think it's probably a good thing. I'm always curious about the economics of Automatic. I know they make money with Jetpack. I know they make money with their premium stuff and with some other small products. But like, they also have a grand meetup every year where like the company shuts down essentially for a week. They fly every employee to a single spot, um, and that ain't, that ain't cheap. Uh, no. So, um, yeah, it, yeah. Well, the VIP service I think uh, brings them a, a fair pile of cash. So I would have thought that too, but uh, um, well, I shouldn't. How much of this can I say? So I worked with the VIP program. Oh, say it all. You know, yeah. you know, you come dish, with the show. You dish. Yep. Dish. Well, I, I worked with the VIP program a year ago, and I'll say that. They are a self-sustaining business unit that's part of Automatic, right? So like Automatic gets the VC funding, but generally, from what I understand, um, VIP is in charge of managing their own funds and things like that. So um, I'm, I'm sure it does bring them in quite a bit of money. I don't actually know any numbers. This is just from what I, I've gleaned. Like I haven't been told any of this explicitly. Um, but you need I, you need to you need to say I heard it from secondary sources. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, well, the, 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 the saying in uh, uh, the, the saying in some of the newspapers that Stefan and I joke about is, according to sources familiar with the story. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. You got to get, termi- get the terminology right, right Joe. The the source the source in this case is uh, only tangentially familiar with certain stories. So, 
Oh, right. um, that's, the, that's them, ten you. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> How dare you mention us? Our, um, um, it, well, it's a it's a private company, isn't it? Automatic. They 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 don't. And in America, you don't have to publish your. See, in Britain, if you're a limited liability company, not um, and but not public. You still you still have to publish your accounts at a place called Company House, and you can go to a website and see how wow. much they were making or not. But you can't do that here, can you, Sally? Uh, no, you can't. No. So, what's your comments about this, Sally? I, you know, I really don't know anything about the guy, uh, but I, uh, I tr- trust and certainly hope that you know he's competent, that he is familiar with managing you know these amounts of cash and and. <laughs> helping to ensure that the company stays on on track. Um, you know, my experience of CFOs is that that's usually who the IT department has to report to uh, because <laughs> IT has to, it, IT is always considered a cost center. Um, and, uh, but there does, uh, you know, there does need to be somebody there. Do you there. think Matt's going to have to give him his monthly uh, expense reports? <laughs> I, I think if, if he does his job, um, Matt will have to answer to him in some way, shape, or form. Right, yeah. It, it, it depends how much Matt pays for out of his personal income. Right. Uh, you know, you, you should have got budget flight, Matt. <laughs> that <laughs> private jet. <laughs> I bet that's going to go down well, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> I bet, oh, you, you, did you have to stay at that hotel at uh, U.S.? Camp, you know, uh, I bet I go down well. So no, uh, but no, uh, I've been sarcastic there. But I think it's going to be an interesting relationship, isn't it? It's going to be, it's going to be interesting for Matt, isn't it? Uh, well, I, I'm sure this whole whatever you know, whatever is coming next is is going to be uh, interesting and something of an adventure. And uh, you know, how much the specific identity of the CIO will will matter in that, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, there's right. been there's been a lot of changes going on at Automatic lately, and they've made I think what was a good acquisition for them with WooCommerce subscriptions. Um, I think that, or I'm sorry, Prosspress, right? They don't they do more than just subscriptions, um, and I'm sure we'll see that integrate into Jetpack Tumblr. I don't. I mean, it sounds like they got that for a song, like they got that for you know the equivalent fire of like sale. A, yeah, exactly, like a couple hundred bucks for for me or you. Uh, but um. Between all the changes and uh, and then and now bringing this new CFO on, I think I think we're probably going to see the the next kind of evolution of what happens with automatic. Um, and I mean, the the goal of any of this VC funding stuff, right, is to uh, sell, like exit, right, or to go public. I have a really hard time seeing automatic go public because that means that the CEO. Uh, is beholden to a board and to shareholders. And I have a, a really hard time seeing that. So I'm interested to see what shakes out in the next year. Yeah, the, the only way it might do it is that it's broken down even more into different units and broken up into different companies. Um, you could see that, couldn't you? But that that's that's pure, you know, I'm just looking at the tea leaves, basically. I've got no... Right. Well, I mean, you know, VCs want money. They don't really care what your company does to to get it, whether it's, you know, public or private or <clears throat> anything else. They, they just want to make a big, fat profit in a fairly short period of time. Yes, that's right. Let's go on to the other story. Uh, number two, LinkedIn gets physical. Mm, disputes events hub for people to plan impersonal networking events. And it's linked to another story that I think Sally wanted to talk about as well. So do you want to take over this one, Sally? Uh, sure. So um, uh, last week, uh, there was a, a, a bit of a flap uh, with meetup.com uh, as you know, they started spreading around uh, an announcement about uh, basically charging organizers $2 per person uh, for people to RSVP to free events. Um, and uh, so this um, prompted a considerable outrage. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was not going to affect the uh, meetups that were part of the, the WordPress community 
program because uh, that's a, a pro account and it had said that wasn't affected. Um, but there was, you know, there was massive outrage and anxiety and a lot of people talking about, you know, should WordPress be changing platforms? Um, and, uh, it, you know, it's sort of right in the middle of this that I saw this uh, news story in a, a Slack group I subscribe to for PR professionals. And they're like, look, it's the return of the tweet up. And I thought, you know, the timing on this is really interesting that, that although what, they're, uh, what LinkedIn is doing, according to this story, is basically uh, making it easier for you to create an event and invite the people who are your direct contact. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not really the same as Meetup, but it was, it, the, the, the timing well, was interesting. Well, they should really go. It's a natural thing for them to, to compete with them on really isn't it it's if i was in linkedin it's a natural in a way in some ways well it does i mean it's a networking tool and so to add you know to make it easier to do in-person networking does seem like a a fairly natural outgrowth of of that Uh, and it it could be something that you know works out for them Uh, it's still apparently fairly experimental and and limited in its uh, uh, its release and they'll i suppose, see what happens to it and uh, how well it develops. Well, in general, linking, you know, obviously that when it got bought out by um, Microsoft and then they bought out Linda and it's become linking training, you know, and I'm interested in training, Joe's interested in training. You do some training as well, Sally. Um, but when it comes to linking, I'm not sure if there is a master plan or they're just throwing stuff on the wall and seeing if it sticks because every time I log in, it's not quite there, but it looks more and more like a kind of Facebook clone, doesn't it? They're trying to get more people to stay I, I, I wouldn't know because I don't use Facebook. <laughs> of course, I forgot about that. You want to keep yourself clean, don't you? You're not going to reply to that. All right, but it'll be like that. Uh, um, Joe, Joe, I like us. I like people like that. You know, oh, I'm not going in. Uh, um, Joe, what did you think? Yeah, I think as, as Sally said, the timing is pretty interesting considering like WeWork is having trouble and Meetup. Uh, there was a lot of outrage. I was initially like, uh, if we're talking about Meetup, I was like initially like, this is dumb. Um, like they definitely want people to u- to like leave the platform, I think, or they're trying to inflate because WeWork is trying to sell Meetup. Um, and then I thought, you know, how many people uh, RSVP to free Meetup events just to not show up, right? Like two bucks <laughs> is is skin in the game at least. Um, so I thought that was an interesting outlook. That's neither here nor there, though. This is about LinkedIn. But I like. I like this move, right? Because um, yeah. they are, they're doing a lot of things for professionals, right? Um, you hear a lot of people in the tech space, myself included, go, I, I hate LinkedIn. Um, and I teach for LinkedIn Learning right now. So uh, my opinion of LinkedIn has kind of changed since I, I joined the team. I would never say I hated it. It was a, you know, when, I, when, it, when it was I so, would say when, that. <laughs> yeah. Why did you hate it? I just, I just thought it was, you know, people like it was not anything LinkedIn did per se, but like recruiters would reach out and say like, Hey, uh, we need a math teacher. And I think you'd be great at teaching math. And I'd be like, what makes you think that? Like, I'm really bad at math. Um, so like, it was like, you you got a cheerful face and a nice person there. Maybe they just wanted to chat. Yeah. Yeah. So that sort of stuff, like that cold outreach recruiter stuff. That was very untargeted. I didn't like that. Um, but like, I feel like um, I just listened to a podcast, uh, to Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income podcast with Don Miller. And, and he said something very interesting. He's the Build a Story Brand guy. He said something interesting about what happens if you offer like 25 products, right? Then you need to put an umbrella statement on all of your products. You use Dave Ramsey as an example, financial piece is the thread that moves through all of his um, uh, his stuff, all of his products. And I would say for LinkedIn, it's, it's probably uh, resources for professionals or connecting professionals or making you more professional, something like that, right? So you have LinkedIn, the, the general social network where people share information. But you have LinkedIn I, learning for training. I'm, and then you have the meetup stuff, which is, I, I think, um, like putting these, these networking events together with people you're already connected to, really good because you can kind of control 
Yeah. Um, the type of people who are coming to your events and, and you're not just inviting like the charlatans who are trying to just give their card to everybody or the person who like needs help with their Facebook page, even though this is like a, a, a WordPress meetup, right? Yeah. Because in some ways they, you know, they wanted that it was publicly rumored they want increased engagement and time spent on the platform, like all these social platforms. But they won't go that last stage where, the, you know, when they're in fundamentally kind of cloning Facebook, where, you, you know, you've got, you can post comments on people's directly. They don't, but I wonder why they won't go that final step because that, that's what, you know, in some ways as a business kind of. Well, you can, you can comment on yeah. some things in, in, uh, in LinkedIn. Can you? Uh, when you? When people write like sort of blog posts, uh, sorts of things you can do. Third, I don't and see stories. a ton of comments on it, but yeah. If you if you post links, I mean, if you post links or or blog post type things that people can comment, and you can react now. They added reactions where oh, you can they? clap or like or be happy or be sad or whatever. Like they they rolled out. I mean, it's very Facebook. It's like you know. I yeah. mean, it's like the same way. It's like post well, nothing wrong with that. Like I that, think right? that yeah. could, I think but, that could be a good business model, could it? Yeah. I think the way you get in, like LinkedIn, it's all about the algorithm with these social networks. And I think LinkedIn's algorithm is a bit different from Facebook's. And I have no idea. I mean, I have no idea how either work, but I have less of an idea of how LinkedIn's work, right? Because I share stories. I don't get a lot of engagement. Maybe I'm not sharing the right stories or maybe it's because they're like auto posted or yeah. I don't know. I haven't looked deeply into LinkedIn, but I think if you're doing LinkedIn right, it's probably good. Like it's it's probably fruitful for the people who are putting the time into it. Yeah, that's yeah. You know, well, it's a bit puzzling. All right, on to the next story. Um, but that's life. It is puzzling, isn't it? Do you know what you think is going to be a winner isn't what you think is useless. Normally, it turns into a winner. Uh, Post Morton on Gutenberg launch, so we can embrace Gutenberg the product. I've left the tea off. That's not very good. I think it is. So, Sally, what did you think of this one? Uh, I thought it was very well done. Um, that, uh, you know, what the author is pointing out is that there are a bunch of people who were sufficiently upset by the mistakes made in introducing Gutenberg uh, at the end of last year uh, that they just won't have anything to do with it. And, mm-hmm. and that this is, you know, that Gutenberg as a... Uh, tool for publishing has been improving uh, substantially, including addressing a, a number of the accessibility issues that were one of the really mm. big problems with the, the way it was brought out. Um, and that really it's time to to, to stop uh, sulking uh, about uh, what went wrong and actually say, hey, you know, this is uh, a useful tool bec- becoming more usable. Um, and so um, it's it's worth reading the article. It's, it's a yeah. long article, uh, it which it does warn you in the beginning, 16-minute read, and that's, you know, for somebody like me who reads fast. Uh, um, but uh, I, I think tell it's you, very well considered. I, I, I don't think it's down to my dyslexia, but I think it's just generally, because I view everything on the web, I've become a total scanner scannerizer. Is there such a word like that, Sally? Yeah, what I mean by... Is hardly read anything properly. I have to scan the headlines, scan the beginning and end, and it's become worse and worse as I as I as I read most of the stuff on the web. Well, most people read that way on the web, which is why they advise you to like use lots of bullet lists and subheadings and things to help people who are just skimming over stuff to to get a sense of it. I think we all feel kind of pressured to do that because there is so much stuff that we have to take in. Yes, but I, I got to admit, I was a bit. I was. I, I've tried to be a bit more pragmatic about Gutenberg, um, but on the other hand, um, it it seemed something that was pushed out. It seemed to take forever, and it was pushed out the door in a kind of very rapid way. And it didn't seem to be quite finished, but um, and I've left it, and I haven't really, you know, uh, most of the clients either have the traditional text editor or they're using something like Elementor or some page builder. Um, so, but I've just had a major client do a major revamp, and they're one of my major clients, and they're they're one of the few clients that's based near to where I live, and I had to go 
to their headquarters and they want me to help them with the transference of a lot of stuff, um, me and my team, from their old website to their new website. And they're going to be using Gutenberg. So I was, I, I was forced to start because they want me to show them how to use it. <laughs> I don't use it. So I started really delving into it. And I kind of say I really like it. I, I, think, I like it a lot. I I've really been, do. I've been all Gutenberg all the time for, for months. And, um, you know, I find using it in a lot of ways easier than using uh, something like Beaver Builder or, or oh, Elementor. Is. It is. Um, it, it's, it's a nice interface. I think they've done quite a nice job, actually. I was quite, I was pleasantly surprised, actually. What do you reckon, Joe? Well, you know, uh, if you need uh, some, if you need a course that you need to license on how to use Gutenberg for your clients, Jonathan. Yeah. Uh, I, I know somebody. Talk, talk, talk to Joe. He, he, he can hook you yeah. up. So I, I mean, I've been using Gutenberg essentially since Matt announced uh, at WordCamp US. I guess it's about two years ago now. Um, Zach Gordon encouraged me to look into it and make a user course, be the first market, etc. Um, and so I've seen it evolve considerably. But uh, I was also super vocal around this time last year about the rushed rollout. Um, yeah, that's what, peeved, you know, the way it was that, hand, It was the yeah. not the actual core thing. It was all the right. baggage around it that peeved off. Yeah, right. and I don't think anybody disputes that that was badly right. done. And but yeah, it's, yeah. It, we shouldn't just get stuck there. We've got to be honest. Right. It, wasn't but, Matt, it wasn't Matt's most glorious moment, was it? But he wanted to make it his glorious moment, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I feel, I don't, I, I don't want to beat up on Matt. I, you nah. know, I've talked to Matt. I like Matt. But um, uh, the uh, not to like tap the the SPI Don Miller uh, podcast episode again, but um, he he said something again. I think that resonates here, which is um, you can have a great product, but if your story, if your messaging is wrong, mm-hmm. then it's going to fail. And I think that's what happened with the initial rollout of Gutenberg. And I hope that this article, which is long but well written. Um, and and presents a lot of good information. I hope it starts to heal that process because uh, especially new users think it's leaps and bounds better than the classic editor. Um, so I'm using it. I'm using it pretty much everywhere. Um, and if I need to build a landing page, sure, I'll use Beaver Builder. Um, if I need, but if I, I just if I just want to put regular content out there, I'm going to use Gutenberg. Um, or the the block Gutenberg editor, Gutenberg makes right? pretty yeah. good landing pages, actually. Yep. So the thing, the thing, um, the th- I need to revisit, I guess. But the thing that I was missing the most was kind of like the full width, kind of impact areas. But yeah, but there uh, are five million block plugins that let you do that and and style yeah. them and so yep. on. Or or one page builder plugin that lets me do that. I, that, think, I, think, I, think, <laughs> I think one of the problems. Is that I'm, I've been very, you know, a lot of my big bigger clients or things I've been involved in on a on the WP Tonic. I've used Beaver Builder, but I've, I've been love Beaver Builder and I use it on my Tonic site. But I've been involved in a couple of other projects, and I've been using Elevator heavily, and it's a bit of a beast. There's a lot to it, and I've just got myself engrossed in Elevator, all about Elevator, and over the past six months. Are pretty well. I think I'm advanced user now, so I, kind of Gutenberg's been on the sideline until this this big client, you know. So, but I was pleasantly supplied. So, what I'm saying, Joe, it, one of the problems it's all a bit fragmented, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and and you have those camps, right? You have those people who tried it early and didn't like it and assumed it didn't change. Um, and then you have the the new users, right? And I, I mean, maybe we'll talk about this more in 5.3 because I'm running the, the release um, candidate on one of my sites. But um, I, I, you know, first impression, they say first impressions are everything. And if you get a bad first impression, you're less likely to want to go back to it. Um, so again, I think, I think the, the block editor is... Um, is really great to uh, to do all sorts of things, right? Um, from like basic content to landing pages, as Sally pointed out. But uh, uh, I think it's time to revisit. You know, we're like almost a year after the initial launch. 
there have been strides in accessibility. There have been strides in user interface cleanup. Uh, and I will say, of all of these kind of interactive editors, uh, the block editor and, and the Gutenberg plugin, um, those work the best on touchscreens. Uh, I'm not saying they work completely, but you can do things that like are impossible in Beaver Builder or Elementor. Well, that's, yeah. Um, I don't, well, I will be finding out more about Gutenberg. I will re be reporting back to you, listeners and viewers, over the months. Uh, um, my Gutenberg reports. So we're going to go for our break. We've got a small panel this week, but actually I've been enjoying the conversation. It's a bit more relaxed, actually. Uh, um, we'll be back in a few moments, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back. I just want to mention about, about one of my other great sponsors, and that is obviously Kinster. Um, Kinster, the reason I want to mention it in, um, in the roundtable show is um, I've been speaking um, to a couple of the key people in Kinster, and they said, can you give us an additional plug? Because we've increased the speed of our hosting by almost 200%. On, we've got new Google technology, blah, blah, blah. And it looks fantastic, folks. You know, um, they were pretty quick as it, as it was anyway, compared to a number of unnamed so-called specialized WordPress hosting providers. But uh, um, they do the business. So if that's interesting for yourself and or for your clients, go over to kinsta.com. Look at their mega quick hosting packages and also mention you heard about them on the WP Tonic show. So, on to story four. Oh my God, yes. Mark, my, my friend Mark, Mark Zuckerberg will stream a speech on free expression on Thursday. I, unfortunately, I didn't have the time on Thursday to watch it. I will watch it probably over the weekend or listen to it. Yes, um, well, I, I find that it's interesting that the uh, the Engadget article, which was the original story that that you put in there, uh, right now, uh, if you go to that page, says stop. AOL. We'll be right yeah. back. Um, and, and, well, I got I managed to get back up again, but yes, I got that as well. The, right. I, I mean, there is a, a story I saw in the New York Times that then reports on the the speech and apparently the um, uh, impressive invocation of uh, American traditions of freedom. In his winding thirty five minute speech at Georgetown University's Gaston Hall, Mr. Zuckerberg fought back against the idea that it's a social network needed to be an arbiter of speech. To make his case, Mr. Zuckerberg invoked Frederick Douglass, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., and the Vietnam War and the First Amendment. Ahem. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah. Yeah, it makes me especially glad I didn't uh, listen to it. I'm sure I would have lost my appetite entirely. I've got, I've got such mixed feelings about Facebook and the stories I've been running during 2019. In some ways, it's a bit linked to Gutenberg and um, Matt and um, the just general hand. So, in some ways, I think I think you know the um, everything that was said about Russia Gate about how they used Facebook to manipulate their American elections. Um, I just thought it was total bullshit of the highest order. Uh, um, and some of the, a lot of the other criticism of Facebook, I think it's it's um, compared to what other people are getting up to that triggered off a kind of, um, I don't know how to explain it last week, I went off on a bar, bar, kind of digital body, did I, Sally? I kind of uh, it brought out the worst out of me. Um, but compared to some players, they, 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 uh, but I think the main problem with Facebook is... So is, is this like the... Um... Well, if you compare Mussolini to Hitler... Yeah, kind of like that a little bit. But what I meant was, um, I think Mark and his upper team are, they're, on, they're in this startup mentality 
uh, which leads to a PR disaster zone. Uh, absolute the way they handle criticism or or anything, it just seems to bring out the worst of them. Because I think it's just because it, the prospect of lowering profitability, that's what it's about. Well, you reckon, Jade, am I waffling or is there anything to what I'm saying? I have, I think, what's going to be an unpopular opinion here. Um, but I agree with Mark Zuckerberg. Um, and let's look at it from a different angle, right? We also, in the last couple of weeks, we saw what happens to private companies when they support somebody at odds with China. Um, the NBA uh, is basically kowtowing to China, like, oh, we're really sorry, we annoyed you. And um, so we're seeing what happens when a government um, gives themselves the ability to stifle free speech. Um, David French, who's a... Um, um, a, I guess more conservative. Um, I shouldn't say more conservative. He's more conservative than like the center, but he's not more conservative than like super conservatives. Um, he writes. For, he wrote for the National Review, um, but he talks about how um, in situations like this, we we need public correction and not private censorship. Um, and I, I keep thinking a lot about that, right? Because I was involved in a WordCamp last year where. Uh, half of the organizing team was going to leave because uh, DreamHost was a global sponsor and DreamHost was hosting a neo-Nazi site and they didn't believe that uh, they should allow, be allowed to be a global sponsor. Um, and I was one of the few people who were like, if they're not putting individuals directly in danger, if they're not breaking the law, um, then I don't think it's up to DreamHost or any hosting. No, I would agree because where does it? Words. You know, it's not my. Yeah, I think I think some of it is the ambiguity about whether Facebook is a media platform and has some of the responsibilities that you know a newspaper or another media platform should have about accuracy, or whether it is like a place in which people talk to each other yeah, um, because yeah. yeah, I don't think our private speech to one another should, should be uh, censored. But a lot of what is happening with Facebook is it's not so much, this is your individual right to uh, speak, but this is your, uh, you know, this is the right of the uh, people who can pay for ads um, mm -hmm. to speak and is there, you know, do there need to be any kinds of uh, disclaimers uh, uh, to the effect of like, you know, this is an ad. It is not a news item. <laughs> this, these are the opinions of the politician uh, who brought them here and, you know, politicians, uh, you should fact check anything they say. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's certainly a concern, right, is like how how much ads on Google too, like how much ads look like actual in feed or in search results items. Um, so I, I would definitely agree with you there that at, like at the very least, like promoted posts or, or ads should be very clearly defined. Um, and that probably doesn't, it probably doesn't behoove Facebook to do that, right? Because you're going to lower interaction with those ads and then less people or people are going to get charged less money or whatever. Um, I think it's, I think the question about whether Facebook is uh, like a media company or if it's just a place for people to hang out and talk, I think that is an interesting discussion because I mean we see media companies take a lot of liberties um, with the news. I'll mention both sides of the aisle, right? Sean Hannity says basically whatever he wants um, to know and and barely gets fact checked at all. Um, and then on the other side, you know, a couple weeks ago we saw, was it uh, MSNBC published uh, a story from like a single source and they were like, this is Donald Trump has a Russian fund or whatever it was, like whatever it was. And Rachel Maddow was just like, really? Like, please tell me more. This is the narrative I want. And then they had to walk it back like 12 hours later. Um, so uh, I think I think all of that stuff is. I is remember when there was a thing called journalistic integrity. <laughs> I barely remember. Well, when you get paid, <laughs> when you get paid ten million a year, you seem to forget about that, don't you? Yeah. You know, like that's gone, mate. Yeah. Just give me the check. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was a that was a bit of a tangent, but I think um he Zuckerberg made an interesting point about how like the internet gives everybody a voice. Um and so there's a lot there are a lot more voices that we need to hear, right? It's not just our crazy uncle on uh, Christmas Eve now who's saying Obama's well, going to start World War III so he could be president again. Yeah. Uh, something my uncle actually said. Um, it's, it's, oh, he's been talking to my mother, has he? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's stuff that we have to see on these social networks like Facebook and Twitter. Um, it's, it's a bit like I, I go, I watch some of RT's stuff, right? And, the, um, you know, and there is a considerable difference between Outlook and my approach to content that comes from RT, that comes from Moscow, from their um, studios that, and from their correspondents who are based in Moscow. Um, you, you, you know, also any story that encroaches to some degree on the foreign interests of, of the Russian government it's not particularly handled with any critical insight by RT. Surprise, surprise. Uh, um, but some of their stuff, you know, especially their independent American-based, um, um, not exactly called, their um, self-employed presenters or shows, some of it I find it really quite interesting. But I, I'm... But it's but it's not secret. It, you know, RT is totally funded by the Russian government. You know, so um, well, you might gather that from the name of the network. Yeah, you do <laughs> RT Russian TV. You know, but the you know the idea that the BBC is totally independent from the British government is a total lie. Um, the BBC have peddled that since its existence. The truth is that British media to um, a medium, sometimes a very high level, is manipulated indirectly or very directly by the British government. Uh, um, So it's not that... So the idea, and, you know, a lot of the, um, especially television in America, it's run by very large corporations that also have very large divisions that make weaponry and make enormous profits from building weaponry. So are you really on these channels going to see any real criticism of the American defense budget? Not really. Is that surprising? Not really. So I think a lot of, you know, I think what a reason why I'm pointing this out is I just think people to some degree have been a little bit naive. What do you reckon, Joe? Yeah, I I mean, I think you're absolutely right, right? I think about this all the time because I don't I'm I don't like news bias either way. Um, you know, I try to read a lot of different sources. I try to get the whole story or try to find the primary source. And that's like that's a lot of work. That's more work than most people are willing to do. Um, so on the one hand, we have these independent media companies here in the United States who uh, are definitely not connected to the government, but then they still peddle the viewpoint that they want, right? Fox News started because they felt the media was too liberal. Um, And now Fox News a few years ago dropped their fair and balanced tagline uh, because it was a complete joke. Um, And then if we look at other countries, right, where BBC, which is um, is it government subsidized? Like, well, it, is it, it, it gets some, but it mostly gets its money. Um, this is going to be a bizarre thing for my beloved listeners and viewers in America. Um, if you own a TV set and you watch, right, you right. watch terrestrial television, you have you to get pick, a license. You got to get a license. Like it's a hundred, it's like two hundred bucks a year. I, I didn't have a television, so I didn't have to get one. But I remember them coming knocking yeah. on the door. Asking. Oh, they come after people as well if you don't pay. Uh, um, they're quite vicious, actually. Um, got a little army of um, little snoopers, actually, mm-hmm. Joe. Uh, um, but no, right. that's how it's. Made. But obviously how much this goes up, how much it will go up by every year um, is highly controlled by the government. So, right. you know... So, uh, yeah, yeah so, so point being, right, um, the BBC 
if they're getting money from the government, I would find it very hard to want to trust that they're not peddling the message of whatever government. If Adrian was here, he would be saying the same thing about Canadian television, right? He and I were talking about that when we were together a couple of weeks ago. Um, And to bring it back to the kind of title of this show, uh, I think that the whole democratizing publishing thing, right? Using WordPress and being able to give more voices to people um, does help with that, but it is a little bit of a double-edged sword. So I think the, the, the solution is, is to educate people on how to kind of verify, right? Trust, but verify, maybe distrust. Well, I think you've got to be as you got to be aware that if somebody's sending a message to you, there's a reason. Right. They're, they're peddling something to you. Yeah. Everybody on on the web, on the everybody's got a personal agenda and everybody's trying to peddle peddle you something. Doesn't mean there isn't core principles that you should adhere to and core truths. But you've got to be you've got to be a reasonably or not, a lot of people just choose, you know, have personal biases and if they see something that matches their bias, of course, it's straight away it's true, isn't it? Right. People want to believe what they want to believe, right? This is why people blindly believe whatever politician, whatever politician on whatever side of the aisle they like the best, right? They're saints and the opposite. Yeah. The people they believe are saints and the people on the other side are demons, aren't they? Right. Right, which is ridiculous because there's demons and saints in all of us, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, we become very flip. It's like hot in here. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. On to the next story. Uh, what's new in WordPress 5.3? New blocks, new APIs, improve admin. Do you want to start this one off, Joe? Yeah. So I've installed 5.3. Three, the release candidate on uh, one of my websites, goodhousemedia.com, um, which is really just like an informational site. So there's not a whole lot going on over there. Um, and I really like what I saw. Uh, there, I didn't read the release notes or anything like that. I know 2020 is the default theme. I think that's really beautiful. I'm a huge fan of Anders Naren. Um, but I also noticed going in that uh, there have been really great improvements to the block editor, right? The icons are a little bit better. They show up. Uh, and they act a little bit more um, predictably than than maybe they used to. And I haven't really run it through the ringer, but um, the the difference between five point using the block editor in five point two and five point three is uh, noticeably more enjoyable. So I think I mean the team continues to do really great work over there. Yeah, I think it's coming on. What do you reckon, Sally? Uh, I've been using the. Um the Gutenberg plugin on some of the sites. So I've seen some of these, the, some of those features starting to come in the, the group blocks, uh, which is certainly a, a handy feature because, uh, you know, it, it's, it is, to, you often put them together in a group and then you say, no, actually I want them to be up on the top of the page. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> that kind of thing. Um, I like Andres Norin's work. I hate the color scheme, the, the default <laughs> color scheme for 2020. It, it just like, I really dislike it. Um, so it's like, yeah, I'm really going to have to play with that yeah. <laughs> and change the colors and then yeah. see what I think of it because it, it blocks my opinions. Um, a bunch of the other sort of more subtle stuff is kind of interesting, like um, I, the changes to the site health, the changes to the um, image uploading, uh, sizing uh, issues. Um, and uh, there's a, uh, 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 you know, and the ability to, yes, the ability to register and unregister block styles in PHP is always, you know, something good for me because my JavaScript is still terrible. Um, and uh, so, you know, there's quite, a, there's quite a bit that is going on in there, some of which will not be immediately uh, noticeable to people, some of which will be. I mean, the fact that they, that they're, uh, improving the uh, the color contrast in the site admin uh, is something that you know all of us will notice, and some people will really benefit from substantially. Um, the uh, uh, resuming uploads, uh, rotating images. Uh, I don't know if anybody ever dealt with, especially several years ago. Like if you uploaded something from a phone, it was always rotated the wrong way. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's right. 
Uh, That's super weird. Right. And uh, (laughs) and so uh, various kinds of, you know, little date, time, time zone uh, things. Uh, The ARIA current attribute for menus so that like within the admin and and, uh, uh, elsewhere that you can like actually like tell where you are and whether something is pointing to the page that you're on. Um, And... uh, the, hey, I'm not, yes, it's like the rel UGC for a user-generated content uh, item. I don't know how many people that's going to matter to, but it's, you know, it's kind of interesting, some of these little uh, little bits and, and pieces. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's bringing in a lot of good stuff that there will be, uh, there will continue to be uh, improvements as, as time goes on. It doesn't sound like there's likely to be a bunch of, of things where you'd need to worry that stuff will break, but still always good to test this on your staging site first. Uh, and, uh, you know, before you make it live, especially if you have a site with any kind of older stuff on it. Even the cat agrees. All right. Uh, I think we get to dump the last story and at least go into... We have to, we'll have to wait for Spencer. We can't yeah. talk about robots without Spencer. No, we can't really. You know, he posted it so you can talk about it next week if I add it. Um, let's go on for our recommendation. My recommendation is MailCare. Um, I've been using a nut on my client websites, my uh, supported um, sites. I've been using a combination of different products and then I decided to, to drop that and go to MailCare and um, we're basically implementing it on all the sites that we've been support, support slowly over the past three weeks. So what and exactly is it? It's a security backup plugin. Um, it's, um, it's the people under um, Blog Vault mm-hmm. uh, and it does, it's a security scanning and hardening plugin with some other features and it's a service as well and um, we've been implementing it over the past three weeks and i've been highly impressed um so if you're looking for a service that helps you with backup security scanning and hardening your website i would recommend you go over to Melcan and have a look at what they've got to offer now joe have you got anything you want to recommend or you found interesting that you want to tell the listeners of yours? Yeah, absolutely. I dropped a link in the chat already. Uh, it is a Netflix documentary called Inside Bill's Brain, Decoding Bill Gates. I uh, I have always been a fan of Bill Gates. Um, I think he's an incredibly interesting person. Um, he's a difficult person to read, but it, you would want to play poker with him. Yeah, absolutely. And he's like insanely smart. Like he reads like uh, 150 words. A minute or something like that. Always I'm, think, always think he's probably is, and uh, or he thinks he is. But he's, yeah. a he's one of these people that's about three in a chess game. He's four steps in front of you already every time, isn't he? Yeah, for sure. And so this documentary on Netflix, it's a three part documentary that breaks down the life of Bill Gates and kind of pits it against um, his philanthropy. Right. So, like in the first episode, he talks about better sanitation. In the second episode, they talk a little bit about his philanthropy with with polio. And um, the third part, he talks about, or they talk about climate change. I think it's really well done. Um, Again, Bill Gates is an admirable person. Uh, I think that he's putting his efforts towards a lot of the right things. And one of the things, one of my big takeaways, like right after the first episode into the intro of the second episode is... Um, it made me realize like how lucky I am to grow up in the United States. And not because of like, my lot in life or anything like that because like but because like there are half of the world uh doesn't have clean sanitation or waste management right um polio still exists in parts of the world uh and polio is like that thing that fdr had to me right um so uh, i think that it made me realize how lucky i am but it also made me realize the monumental type of work that bill gates is is throwing his weight and his brain power behind. Yep, that sounds interesting. Sally, got anything you want to recommend to this? Oh gosh, I, I, it's it's. I've actually like encountered a bunch of interesting uh, toys uh, this uh, uh, this week. Um, so one I'm going to drop in here uh, is called uh, Deep Image AI. Um, it's for enhancing photos. So I was uh, heard about this just at a time when I needed to. Uh, 
I needed to use some hero images on a, a, a client site, but the, the photos they gave me were already not very good and not mm. sized appropriately. And it, it helps um, upsize photos uh, mm. without losing your, your crispness. So it, it did a pretty good so job. So they don't all go fadey and pixelized. Right. Yeah. So they don't, so they don't pixelate so much. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, but also discovered, you know, there, there's a, there's a tool called Clippy for editing um, clip paths and uh, and creating shapes. Um, there's a bunch of neat stuff in the in the Firefox dev tools that I hadn't seen before, including the shape path editor and the font editor and the identify uh, inactive CSS tool. Wow, I have to go have a movie there. Oh dear, yes, all these tools. If only there was enough time, was there, Sally? Oh yeah, you know there is never enough time to to discover everything uh, that that's going on, and and you know if, if if we wanted to be in a field we could keep up with, we should not have chosen technology. That's true. Well, panel, I've got to say, for a small panel, I think we've done a great job. Actually, uh, I'll give you top marks. I think we've had some intelligent discussion, apart from me. Uh, um, I- <laughs> I guarantee that intelligence to my listeners and viewers. I only, I only promise to try and get a, a decent panel with some interesting stories. I guarantee nothing that comes out of my mouth. Uh, um, but I think we've done a great job. Sally, um, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? You can find me at WPFangirl.com. I am at Sally Getch on Twitter. And if you are interested uh, in... Um, learning how to speak. We're doing the speaker training workshop at our meetup on Sunday. Uh, and you can still find us at meetup.com. Do you have a cat website? Do you, have you, have I don't you have a website for the cats, although my Instagram is uh, is full of cat pictures. All right. Because they are stars, aren't they? Um, Joe, Joe, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh, I think the best place to kind of see what I'm up to is uh, casabona.org. Uh, you can find my podcast and my courses over there. And I am Jay Casabona on most social networks. Uh, and I've been really heavy into Instagram stories lately. So I'm going to try to do a bit more of that moving forward. Yeah, and thanks for joining the panel. You, you've really contributed a lot so far. I really appreciate much. that, Joe. We'll be back next week with hopefully a slightly larger panel. But on the other hand, some of these smaller panels, I find it a more intimate discussion, really. But there we go. I thought we had a good chat to this week. We'll be back next week with great WordPress internet news stories and my self-opinionated views as well. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.